Welcome to the Rebel Speaker Podcast, where we break the tried and true presentation rules so that you can create a speech that stands out, makes an impact, and positions you as the go-to expert. And now your host, the instigator of the presentation rebellion, Dr. Michelle Mazur. If you've ever were about to push send on an important email to pitch for a gig that you really wanted. It was a stage that you've always dreamed that you would be on. And then all of a sudden there was this little voice in your head that said, who do you think you are to be pitching for that speaking gig? You don't have enough experience. Maybe if you had a PhD, then you could pitch for that speaking gig. And what if you get it? if you get it, they're all going to find out you don't know what you're talking about. And if you've had that experience or you're thinking right now, Michelle, get out of my head. (laughs) You have experienced the imposter complex. In my work, I see it all the time with speakers. And it holds us back from making a difference with our audience and doing the things we need to do to drive our speaking business forward. And today we are so fortunate to have Tanya Geisler as our guest on The Rebel Speaker. And Tanya is my coach. And I was just telling her that when I started working with her, I didn't think I had the imposter complex. (laughs) But I do. Many people do. You're not alone. She's a certified life and business coach, a TEDx woman speaker, and a writer. She teaches women how to step into their starring roles, which is what we as speakers are trying to do. She helps them own their authority and overcome their imposter complex in their life and in their work. So thank you so much, Tanya, for being on The Rebel Speaker. Mm. Such a delight to be here. Such a delight to be here. In your shininess. It's so good. Thank Woo-hoo. you for having me here. Awesome. So let's get into it. What is the imposter complex? Well, you did a brilliant job painting the picture for us. It is that experience of who am I to? They will find out that. It's just a matter of time before X, Y, and Z. Maybe when I've done the blah, 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 then I'll be ready to blah, blah, blah. It's all of that. And I always attribute my teachers. So I need to say that it's actually the imposter phenomenon is the term that was coined in 78 by psychologists, clinical psychologists, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. And they were working with high functioning women, noticing that these women seem to be totally incapable of internalizing their success. Any proof of their success, they would attribute to luck or fluke or timing or having deceived somebody into thinking that they were smarter or more capable or more skillish than they actually were. Now, of course, these women were more than capable of internalizing their failures. No problem there. But their successes, on the other hand, no, 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 no. It was something that was completely external to them. So it was named in 78. It's been experienced since the beginning of time. And it is that feeling that we are imposters and they're going to find out this generalized other is going to find out. And then, oh, Lord, have mercy. What happens then? Right? So that's what the imposter complex is. Awesome. And I think two things that stand out for me is number one, that it is high achievers. Bingo. 
because I know with speakers, we're really stepping into more of a leadership role. We're showcasing our expertise, our story, our passion. And so it's us high achievers who have this little voice in our head that's like, you're going to be found out about this. Yeah, yeah. So that was like one of the things that stood out to me. And then it's just all of these symptoms you were talking about, like the I'm just a symptom. And if I do this, then I can do that. So I know you also work with a lot of speakers. So how do you think the imposter complex is holding speakers back? First of all, let's underscore underline, bold, italicize your point of it being high-functioning, high-achieving women. Women In this case, we're going to talk about women like as, and men, but it is high-achieving people, really and truly, who experience this. They have strong values of mastery and integrity. This is really important, and I'm really glad that you, that you hit on that because we feel the imposter complex in areas of our life that are deeply important to us. Deeply, deeply important to us. We don't experience it all across the board and any given thing. It's, it's, the, it's the work that we do in the world. It's the parenting that we do in the world. It's the speaking we do. It's the coaching. It's the, whatever it is that's really deeply meaningful to us, that's where we're going to experience it because of those values of integrity and mastery and excellence. So thank you so much for naming that. There are 12 lies that the imposter complex comes with, and I think that they absolutely show up for us as speakers, as writers, as creatives, as artists. And there, I mean, there are 12 of them. So there's lots of them. But I think, and usually we can go into them, but we don't have a ton of time. So maybe we'll just be like, maybe we can give that as a download to them. Yeah. Um, but there are six behavioral attributes that show up. They're all lit up. They're all lit up. And once again, you don't experience all of these behavioral traits a la fois, as we say in Canada, but you might experience them at different times. So one is procrastination. <laughs> procrastination. So we're going to procrastinate on getting that pitch out. We're going to procrastinate on making the ask. We're going to procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate. Because as long as we don't actually get into action, then nobody's going to find out that we're not supposed to be here. These are double binds, by the way. So mm-hmm. if I'm not in action, I don't want anybody to find out that I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. So if I'm not in action, then nobody gets to find out that I'm, that I'm not supposed to be here. But um, ultimately, that makes me feel like an imposter because then I'm just validating that I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. What's interesting about procrastination is I also see speakers taking action on the wrong things. Right. So they're tweaking their website, their speaker one sheet, they're re-editing their video reel for the 900th time so that it keeps them actually from doing the important thing that gets them speaking gigs, which is pitching and outreach and asking. Well, you know what that is? I feel like that's, I'm just right, making a note of that. So such an important point because we're so, we're here, we do the work, 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 right? But we also go like, hey, I'm doing something, right? I am in action. Therefore, something's going to have to give. So these were important things to do, but it was like, it was enough. Whatever you've done, it's enough. Now it's about honing and getting masterful in the realm that is like, that is your actual work, right? And train, like getting prepared for that gig. Okay. So that's procrastination. We also have really shows up and you and I are going to be talking about this. I'm just so excited about that is diminishment. This is where we use, where we kind of turn in on ourselves. So if we do actually have areas that we feel very masterful in, uh, feel very confident in, once again, we don't want to be found out. We don't want to have the big target on our back. 
So we're going to use the it's just language. We're going to turn on ourselves. We're going to play a little bit smaller. What starts to happen is we actually are giving ourselves clues and cues that we are smaller than, that we aren't supposed to take up the space. We're doing this to ourselves. So once again, we've got that double bind. So it's happening with speakers too. Well, and I see that also with speakers' body language, like men take up space on stage. I like to take up space on stage, but women tend to keep themselves very small, their gestures like just right near their body instead of taking up that stage. And I think that feeds into that I'm just a feeling that we get. And I hear that so much from the speakers I work with, like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, this nurse practitioner. What do I know? Why should I be talking about this? I'm just telling my story. I'm just telling my story. Like it's, you know, it's just a little story. It's just, it's just, it's just leaky boundaries. Okay. Mm -hmm. Whoa. So this shows up, you know, and again, this is, we're, we're painting the picture for speakers here, but this shows up in all aspects. Anytime we are experiencing the imposter complex in some way, shape, or form, oftentimes, once again, to be able to fit in, we might nod along to things that we don't necessarily agree with because we want to make sure that we are not found out that we are othered. So mm-hmm. this is going to probably show up for speakers. You know, we forget that we actually have choice in the matter. We can say yes, we can say no, we can make a counter offer. But sometimes because we are so mindful of getting the gig that we'll say yes to just about anything, even though our soul is screaming, no, 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 right? But we will, we'll agree to the things that we think that we are supposed to because our boundaries aren't nice and snug. Yeah? Yeah, that totally makes sense. It um, reminds me in the Rebel Speaker Facebook group, somebody posted like, oh, I got this offer to speak at a Fortune 500 company and they don't have a budget. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> Molly, like, Fortune 500 companies have money. If they really want your expertise, they have to pay for it. And the good thing, like, she does have very strong boundaries. Okay. As, you know, it was more of like this ranty post. Can you believe this thing? I yeah, know, it's still happening. People yeah, yeah. Were like, but maybe you could get something else out of it, like a video or, you know, clients and those weren't her people. And she was so clear on that. But I do think it's like, oh my gosh, I want the speaking gig so much that I will sacrifice anything to get it. Mm -hmm. And of course, all that does then, when you have allowed your boundaries to, to corrode or erode, we are feeling like frauds because we are standing in an opinion, an arrangement, an agreement that isn't us, that doesn't feel right and true. So that once again, reinforces our sense of being an imposter because we're standing in this place. It's not supposed to be ours, right? Yeah. People pleasing, you know, once again, shows up across the board, but this is another one where straight up, this is my biggest tell. This is the one that I continue 44 years into this beautiful life of mine, I'm still coming up against this. You know, how much praise can I get? How much criticism can I avoid? You know, so what that means for me is Mm. the double bind here is if I get, you know, I want people to like me, just do, can't help it. It's been my work. But often when I get those opportunities and I got lots of opportunities, I'm very quick to discount that it was my work, my tenaciousness, my, my expertise that got me the gig. It's more like they're just being nice. 
<laughs> like so that's the double bind, right? So when we have this this people pleasing tendency, this once again colludes with our already exacerbated sense of imposterhood because we just got the gig because they we fooled them into liking us. That's the huge tell there. So that might show up with speakers if you get that gig and you go, well, you know, I'm not really supposed to be here. They just I managed to convince them somehow. So then it starts getting a little bit amorphous and fluid. Mm-hmm. And we're not really standing in our authority. We're not really standing in our expertise. We can often pull it out, but lots of suffering goes into preparing for that gig, let me tell you. Yes. Yes. Well, and I think for me, I know that one showed up. I spoke at Tara Gentile's Quiet Power Strategy Summit. And I've, I love Tara. I've worked with Tara. We're friends. And part of my brain was like, well, you're only speaking there because Tara likes you. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that's mm-hmm. not how Tara operates. I know that about her, but it was funny how that little voice would crop up for me. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and that's, I love that you named that because, you know, we do our due diligence. Like, would you have me on your show if you didn't actually believe that people here really wanted to to hear what I had to say? I mean, like, it wouldn't be true, right? So why would we assume that Tara wouldn't have done her due diligence and invite you up on this extremely sacred space? Like, it it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. But this is our oh my goodness, was it confirmation bias Mm -hmm. uh, that I've been thinking a lot about you. So we go through this whole, our life looking for proof of what we believe. And that is who could possibly, who would want to have me on their stage? So we've done the work we know better, but there's still some suffering that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, hey, comparison. That's a fun one. So (laughs) so up for speakers, right? Like how, Mm -hmm. how much time gets spent in the name of research uh, we spend checking out everybody else's work and then comparing ourselves in this very damaging way. And once again, it's this double bind. So we get in this place of comparison and then we just, we don't feel we're ever going to be able to stack up. So we're just proving to ourselves once again that we are the imposter. Yeah. And I, for me, I always reframe that with my speakers because if I'm working with you in a longer term mentorship, part of our thing is finding you other speaking opportunities to pitch. And one of the best ways to do that is to look at people who are speaking on similar topics and where are they speaking. It's about viewing them as friends and colleagues instead of a person you should be comparing yourself to. And even reaching out to them and saying, hey, I know notice that you and I have this in common. I'd love to chat with you about it to have to have those colleagues in the field instead of viewing them as like, oh man, they're so much further ahead than I am. I have a great story about that actually. So Lauren Bacon is a leadership coach as well uh, in, in the space. She works more with women in tech, I would say. Mm-hmm. She actually came out to see a group of us that were doing TEDx talks out on Vancouver Island years ago. Mm-hmm. And I knew of her work. I'd seen her, you know, she's hard to miss. She's just an incredible woman. And I saw her doing a piece on the imposter complex. I think she called it syndrome back then. And I was like, hey, like we're having the same conversation. Let's like, let's come together. And there was, interestingly, the piece for me that I left out of my TEDx talk in the process of discussing the imposter complex was this piece on comparison. Even back then, it was sort of ill-formed, but I had this intuitive sense that it was important. It is important to do our due diligence to see what else is out there to have some sort of metric for which we can say, all oh, right, this, that woman is a model of possibility for me. Ah, ha. That is how I want to do it. I'm going to bring my own juju to that. But that, yes, that is really powerful and inspiring to mm-hmm. me. So allowing it to be that energy rather than the shutdown. So interestingly, when we had this first conversation, Lauren and I, 
I was like, so this is the conversation I think that's missing. It's on comparison. Out of that conversation, we crafted an entire program called Beyond Compare. Uh-huh. So like totally was like, all right, we're having the same conversation. Let's bring it together and let's talk about this one thing that actually could have been divisive between us. It could have been a problem. And we created this gorgeous program. One of my favorite best friends in life now because of that, it's really important to go to reach out and say, hey, like let's, how do we expand this conversation together, right? Yes. Yes. So, I love it. I love that's my, it. That's my, yeah, because I think that, and I really think it's important to be looking at people that remembering that the people that we admire are simply teachers for what we want. And if we can see it, it's because we own it ourselves. That's the only way we can recognize it. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then finally, the last one is perfectionism. Oh, I don't know anything about that. No, no, no. no. The pencil's never sharp enough. The pencil, you know, we are never fully prepared, right? So Mm -hmm. this really and truly, you know, we have this thing. It has to be perfect. I don't know how we got this gig in the first place. Has to be perfect. Has to be perfect. And then we get ourselves into either, you know, it either doesn't go exactly as we had wanted it to. And then we just use that as proof of our lack of perfection. Or we knock it out of the park, which happens so often, but then what's your first response when you knock it out of the park? Is it like a nanosecond of celebration? Go ahead. No, what yeah, no, it's typically not. And I've seen it where I've seen speakers that I've worked with get on stage and get a standing ovation and literally walk off while people are still standing. <laughs> Oh, bless. Oh, bless. (laughs) Because in their head, there was something wrong. There was the criticism. There wasn't this, oh my gosh, look at all I did right. Look at how I impacted the members of this audience. It was, oh, I Mm. forgot this one part of my speech. I can't believe I did that. How did that happen? Mm -hmm. I somehow managed to fool them into something. Maybe this, maybe Mm -hmm. this, maybe this audience wasn't as savvy as I thought they were. Oh my gosh, right? (laughs) Yeah. Coming and going, coming and going. So those are the six behavioral attributes that affect, and again, we don't experience it all at the same time, and some of us have stronger leanings towards yes. one or the other, but they definitely show up in most speakers at yes. some time or another. So what do we do? Like, <laughs> we, what, are, what should be the first step? Well, first of all, just like decide you're not a speaker and like hide under the duvet and just okay. quit. Just quit. <laughs> So the opposite of that, uh, recognize, first of all, that you are in absolutely exquisite company. Absolutely. Everybody that you admire has experienced this in one way, shape, or form. Every speaker that you've ever seen take that stage has had this experience. I remember Oprah saying that it doesn't matter who had been on her show. It was Sydney Poitier or like, it doesn't matter who it was. I would always ask her, how did I do? Like, is that okay? Did I, did I do okay? Every single person that you've ever seen take that stage has had to overcome it in their way. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to see here is we never fully overcome that, okay? It's, it's like a traveling companion. And really and truly, it continues to show up every time we are at a precipice of our edge, mm-hmm. okay? I love to say that the party is on the other side of the resistance. It doesn't feel like it is, but oh, that is where the growth happens, right? Where we keep coming up against it again and again. So every single person who has managed to take that stage has done a variation of three of the strategies that I've talked about all the time. It really comes down to breaking down, or coming, comes up to, comes down to breaking up three things that the imposter complex takes a strong, strong stand for. It wants you to doubt your capabilities. Well, first of all, it wants to keep you out of action. So it does want you to quit. It does want you to stay nice and like hidden under the duvet. So your job is to come up against 
the criticism that you're feeling. So it really means challenging each of those internal beliefs that you have about they're just being nice or, you know, like really look at what does the record show here? What am I actually afraid of? You mentioned fear, like what happens if I actually get the gig? Then what's going to happen? I mean, are the saber-toothed tigers really going to hunt you down and eat you alive? Like what's actually going to happen? Maybe, could be, depends. (laughs) Um, But like really face face up to what is it that you're deeply afraid of. If you're afraid of failing, if you're afraid of success, you're probably afraid of being alone. Okay. Not to put too fine a point on it, but you need to go through this process of what am I actually fearful of happening here? And then when you start to really look at that, you know, I feel like I could feel it right here. There's a fear here that needs to be addressed mm-hmm. and wants to be acknowledged. I think it's really unhelpful to just go, just get over it. Just get over it. Just like, just mm-hmm. pop that part of you off. It doesn't work like that. So if we can be more discerning, more kind and compassionate with ourselves and go, oh, okay. So at the bottom of that fear is I'm afraid of being alone. All right. Cool. I got that. Now, knowing that that is my deepest fear, how do I construct this pitch such that, you know, like, so just like recognize what it is and then go, now I got it. Like, I actually don't have to have, my thighs don't need to be that thin for me to be able to take that stage, right? (laughs) Like if you start to get really granular about what you Mm -hmm. think you're afraid of, it starts to shift. So that's the first thing is meeting the critics. And those are internal critics. And those are external also objections that we might have. Like I can't do this because I don't have my PhD. So like get really careful, like challenge those beliefs for yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. Second is it really wants you to discount your capabilities. So again, um, that, um, that confirmation bias thing, we have a whole lifetime of buying into those beliefs. So we have a whole lifetime of constantly proving to ourselves over and over and over, I knew I didn't deserve that gig. That's the reason I didn't get it. I knew it. I knew it, right? <laughs> like, we love to be right about places where we don't meet what we want it. So let's do the opposite. Let's really bolster our own authority thesis. And for me, this is a two-pronged approach. One is to look for the internal proof and to, before we go externally. Go, go inwards. What are all of the things that you have done and survived and healed and lived and drafted and created and sold and, 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 and. When we do this process, A, it can be challenging because we forget, because we don't celebrate, right? We don't lock in our, like we walk off the stage while they're still cheering, mm-hmm. right? We're so busy, yeah. like here are all the ways that I screw that up but we don't take the moment to really internalize that celebration. So that's just clues to the puzzle here, right? So, but looking at your own experience, it doesn't matter if it was a grade three science project that you won and that you, that you felt really cool at the front of that stage or the front of that classroom doing. Remember that moment because those moments are the proof that you've been at this precipice before and you survived, and the saber-toothed tiger didn't hunt you down and eat you, and the party was indeed on the other side of the resistance, right? Like you broke through. That's what you're trying to do here. So it's the internal calibration first, and then we can start looking to the tweets that people say, the testimonials, the reference letters, the invitations, like start gathering all of that. So we have a a physical, you know, I, I advocate printing it all out. I'm sure you do the same. 
I think you have something very similar, right? What do you call yeah, it? Yeah. When I'm working with speakers, especially on pricing, I make them do an I'm awesome list, which talks about like all of their experience, their expertise, what they've learned, how many years. And it's interesting because most of the time I have to get on the call with them and start teasing it out of them because they don't feel comfortable spending a lot of time being like, yes, I'm awesome. But if we're going to do pricing work mm-hmm. and fee setting work, mm-hmm. you have to be grounded in those amazing testimonials and yep. your you know, 18 years of experience and your education and the things that you've published and you've done and you've won and all of those triumphs in order to be in a place where you're like, okay, I can confidently set my fee because I'm going to push you to set that higher than you're going to feel comfortable with. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. So we're in some ways, there's a way that it's the same quality. It's the, sort of the internal because we can't, we don't believe the external stuff until we have a felt sense of it internally first, yes. right? It's like water off a duck's path. That's why it's impossible for us to accept a compliment and just go, thank you. Right? Like we can't accept the compliment. Mm-hmm. Thank you. The imposter complex hates thank you more than anything else. And the third, <laughs> say thank you. Yeah, say thank you. You did an amazing job. Thank you. Huh. It felt good. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yes. And then the third place that I always have people look is to the imposter complex wants you to feel isolated. It wants you to feel low and out of action. And it wants you to feel like you are alone and you cannot speak the shame to anyone which is one of the lies of the imposter complex. You must not tell anyone about this. It wants to keep you alone. So strategy, get social. Make sure you are surrounded by the best. You are surrounded by people who want to lift you up because here's what I believe with every single cell in my body. Your people want you to succeed. So Mm -hmm. your job is to let them help you. So surrounding yourself with the best, surrounding yourself with people who actually know where you struggle with the imposter complex to remind you on a cellular level all that you have done and all the times you have been here and all you can and, and, and what else you can get, what else you can do, where else you can what other heights you're intended to ascend. If those don't feel like the people you have in your life, okay, well, Got to do some work there too. Uh, And then, of course, there are people that do this work, Michelle, Mm -hmm. um, professionally and can help you to see that which you can't see for yourself or uh, feels really uncomfortable to face. So you are not supposed to go it alone. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yes. Go it alone. Well, and that brings me to my final question for you. One final question. Oh, my gosh. I know. Can you believe it? One final question. Okay. This is where I struggle with the imposter complex the most, and that's with asking. Mm -hmm. And as a speaker, you have to be asking all the time, asking for the gig, asking for the fee, asking your colleagues and friends if they know anyone they can introduce you to that could help you find your next gig. But asking is so hard for so many of us. So what should, okay, what should I do when I find myself hiding out and not wanting to ask people? So 
What should you do? Okay, first of all, the, the reason this is challenging is that I have a very strong belief that pretty much everyone on this that's listening in has a very strong value of connection, which is actually what makes you such a powerful speaker. Uh, the desire to connect with the audience in this way, right? Mm -hmm. Connection is huge. So we have a belief that asking is somehow going to create some discontent in that connection. Mm -hmm. So it's like now we have made this, and so we, we make it personal. So yes. I'm asking somebody to do me a favor is what an ask feels like to us. We don't want anyone to feel put upon heavens to Betsy. We don't want people to feel put upon. And then we also have experienced the sting of unmet expectations where we have asked people, right? And they have let us down. And so as for people like this is at the bottom of our saying fear of success, fear of failure, it's that alone oftentimes, right? So what if they say no? So first of all, what if they say no? We forget that they're also free agents and maybe their boundaries aren't as leaky as ours and they will say yes, no, or they will make a counter offer. So there's that. Mm -hmm. So I just invite you to as much as possible, remember that this is, actually I want to step sideways and say this. For many of us, we have had corporate gigs in the past. Yes. Do you remember how when you were in a corporate gig, it was pretty easy to ask for the business? It was pretty easy to close the deal. It was pretty easy because we were in business. Mm -hmm. So now somehow, because we are speakers, we are creatives, we are artists, it's not a business anymore. It's a business. It is a business. That is one of my big themes. It's a business. Mm -hmm. So in business, we are required to ask. So our job is to make it less personal. This is not a favor. This is a, a negotiation. This is a business transaction. There is cause, there is effect, there's money exchanging hands, energy exchanging hands. Mm -hmm. This is business. You can bring your own values of connection and passion and it, all of your own values can come into the equation. And in fact, they must for it to be a magnetic mm -hmm. invitation and magnetic ask. But the actual transaction is business. So that's really important to just recognize that the answer is not commensurate to their experience of you as a person. It is a, let's just like remember that we are all in business here, that the options are yes, no, and counter offer. Very simple. I love it because there's that detachment to it instead of being like, oh my gosh, what if they say no? It's like, okay, it's going to either be a yes, no, or counter offer. And I know oftentimes when somebody, like a friend or a colleague emails and asks like, hey, do you know anyone who needs this or does this? Oh. Or da, 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 I'm always like, oh, thank you for thinking of me. Absolutely. And because I think the other thing is people do like to be asked. They want to be helpful. And if you go into a situation with like, okay, I am running a business and I'm going to assume that people want to see me succeed, what we're talking about before, they want to be helpful, then this can be a productive conversation. And even Absolutely. if it's no, it's still a productive conversation. Absolutely. And I would also get extremely granular about where it is a favor versus where, it, so if you're asking for your friend to open a door for you, perhaps mm -hmm. there is a quality of the personal in yes. there that is. And so that, I love that you brought that in. Like that's actually your people. I remind you, want you to succeed. Mm -hmm. That's available to them. They're probably going to be a yes or a counter offer, right? So again, we don't have like the worst thing, but you, you will have done your due diligence. Like there is an art to asking that I don't need to tell anybody on this call because we've all done it. We know mm -hmm. how to make a reasonable, respectful, 
timely, sensitive ask. Like your ask is not the problem. That's not the problem. Okay. That's to be sure. So then, and then when you're at the point of negotiating, uh, you know, your fee transaction, we are now in business. We understand we're, we know what we're doing here. You're in business. That's it. Yeah. I had an interview with Jen Gresham back in January. If, if you want to check that one out, that's all about negotiation and asking mm. for money. And she's like, you know, when you're in negotiation, it's about getting to that win-win scenario. It is not this personal thing. It is transaction. It is business. It's like you have to step into that mindset. Even though my speech is personal, my expertise is personal, my experience feels so personal, I'm running a business. So I love that. So Tanya, we could probably speak for hours on the Impossible <gasps> Yes. Tell everyone where they can find out more information and find you online. So I'm at tanyageisler.com and when you go there, I think one of the first things you'll see is my four-part free video series on the imposter complex. It's the imposter complex 101 and then as part of that flow, you'll get the 12 lies of the imposter complex because honestly, knowing these 12 lies, when you hear them, you go, all right, I know what that is. I can redirect based on that. So go to tanyageisler.com and that's where you'll find the imposter complex primer series. Awesome, because I think that would be so helpful for speakers to have access to. Because if you know that, number one, you are not alone with this voice in your head, and that there are strategies that you can implement that help you take action, help you make the ask. It's going to make all the difference in driving your speaking business forward. So thank you, Tanya, for being here on The Rebel Speaker. And for all of you speakers, get straight with your imposter complex because that will help you grow your speaking business. To be certain. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Rebel Speaker Podcast. If you're loving this show, please rate and review it on iTunes. It is the best way for speakers like you to find out about us. And you can learn more about Communication Rebels coaching and consulting services that help business owners and speakers make a bigger impact with their message while building a speaking business on their own terms at drmichellemazur.com.